0: Dear The Strokes, much like your musical career together as the greatest rock band of the 21st century, I have had many ups and downs in my tenure listening to your music, which I'm proud to say I was there when it started. Ups and downs, lefts and rights in the dark. I vividly remember my first time seeing you guys, which also happened to be what I believe was your first time on live television in the U.S. I know Europe lauded you all a bit quicker than us dumb Americans did. My sister was out in New York going to NYU in 2001. She's 10 years older than me, so that would make me 11 at the time. Visiting New York for the first time, lots of firsts at a ripe young age, It was a very weird time. Obviously, 9-11 had just happened, and visiting in late October-November, there was definitely still a lingering what-the-fuck sadness in the city. My mom and I stayed in this little boutique hotel she had stayed at a few other times visiting my sister, and there were these incredible muffins for breakfast in their little lobby. The Yankees happened to be in the World Series against the Diamondbacks at the time. So there was this almost meant-to-be-hope buzzing around New Yorkers that Derek Jeter would lead them to their fourth straight championship and that George Bush was a good president and didn't plan any of that bullshit to invade Iraq. Normally being a baseball purist, I would never root for an expansion team such as the Diamondbacks. But former Cubs legendary first baseman Mark Grace was on Arizona, so I hit it well. But I was rooting for them underneath my fresh, shiny Yankees jacket, the only time I've lied about my sports. I don't feel so bad, as we'll get to that later. So, going back to Chicago real quick, I remember before my sister moved to New York, I'd always bug her to hang in her room with her, it was the coolest. She was sort of like punk alternative when she was in high school, so there was a lava lamp and cool band posters. She'd be in Silver Converse, and we'd count her camel bucks and play Super Nintendo, and even sometimes I would sneak in up and watch Conan with her. Her room had this retro but also futuristic vibe to it, which, in retrospect, reminds me a lot of your guys' sound and vibe. Anyway, I'm this preteen in New York with my mom watching Game Five of the World Series in New York, with the Yankees playing not too far away. I really loved the fact that they were playing close, and I knew Conan was going on someplace not too far either. It must have been a Wednesday or a Thursday, not quite the weekend, and the Yankees went to extra innings and won. So I caught Conan right before it ended, and these unkept yet stylish dudes come on as the musical guest. And they sounded just like they looked jangly, but tight, old school, but different. I was obsessed immediately. Julian's no give a fuck, but growing intensity, Albert's little smirks as he strummed, and Fab smashing a simple beat on his drums. I didn't know your actual names at the time. But I felt it. I love these dudes. The strokes. Did that mean like the dorks? Was it a masturbation reference? Something I had just recently figured out. Was it a basketball reference? No matter what, it was a great name. The fact that you didn't know what it meant and could go anyway made it even cooler. It was way before I had a phone, and anyone did really, so couldn't search them or anything. Just had to try to sleep, thinking about how fucking awesome that song was. Flash forward a few days, and my mother agreed to let me stay over at my sister's dorm room, which was more like a sexy older girl palace. There was like six of them all living together in this two-floor apartment with a spiral staircase. All of them smoking cigarettes, playing cool music, and watching sex in the city and shit. I was in heaven. I remember the best looking one asked what music I listened to. Ah, yeah, you know, the Strokes, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Led Zeppelin. Looking back, that would probably be my response now, too. There was a raging party going on across the hall, and we thought it would be hilarious if I wore this cat mask and went over there. So all five-five of me, I grew to my six two over the next summer, ran across the hall, and opened the door. Who do you think was playing? It was obviously that cool band with the throwback singer blaring. I stayed for about the length of a song, and then some dude who was probably threatened by my small presence said, I should get lost. Back to the apartment of hot college girls. I became pretty obsessed with Is This It? getting the CD when I came back to Chicago, then finding out a few years later in the Chicago Reader that you guys had released your second album. I acquired Room on Fire in a classic best friend sleepover scenario. Dylan's mom would give us each like 15 bucks to get a CD and a slice of pizza at the mall. So we took the bus, went to Rolling Stone, which was the CD store right next to the mall. I grabbed strokes too, and he grabbed a nappy roots album. We stayed up all night. And alternated listening to both those albums and smoking his mom's boyfriend's weed and drinking red Gatorade vodkas. We were fucked up. Being only 13, it didn't take much. I remember him with two TV remotes dancing around in his underwear with a red Gatorade vodka mustache. We grew up fast, maybe a little too fast. Which would eventually really affect Dylan. Listening to the strokes just always marked the best times for me growing up. When First Impressions of Earth, also known as Album Three, dropped, me, Dylan, and another one of our good friends started seeing these three girlfriends who all lived in Evanston. At first, we thought Evanston was lame, but all these girls and the people they hung out with's parents had money and therefore good drugs, and alcohol. You guys always had a fun time, nostalgic sound that went perfect with teenage partying. And the times with these three gals was about as nostalgic fun as you could write. Dylan was with the classically gorgeous brunette with big blue eyes. Mark was with the redhead with massive boobs. Everyone always snuck looks at her, and I was with the super down-to-earth, cool, music historian, alternative sort of hippie girl. One Friday night, they invited us to a dance at their high school. We all sprayed way too much Axe. I actually was sporting Armani Code I had just gotten for Christmas for my sister, who was dating what you would call a very hip metrosexual guy at the time. He knew all the good style and sense and Mark drove us to pick them up in his mom's Windstar. Obviously, we smoked a ton of weed, passed around a fifth of vodka, and argued about what was the best Outkast album. Then we headed in, but apparently we were too fucked up to get in. We all laughed our asses off and decided that smoking more weed, hanging in the van, and listening to the new Stroke CD I brought with me was the move. To this day, one of the funniest moments in my life was hearing Mark exclaim while we all made out with each other in the van, Come on, just let me suck your tits while killing lies played. You could have thrown 1251 over a montage of that night and it would have been perfect. Going to a lame party, taking a bunch of their liquor, throwing empty 40s in the street, going to the rooftop of a random building, smoking weed on said rooftop eating all of the McDonald's, getting home way too late, and mine, all of our parents not happy, all to the sounds of the strokes. Dylan and I continued listening to only first impressions of Earth on the way to school every single day. I'd pick him up early, we'd cruise around, smoke some weed, smoke some cigs, and jam. For whatever reason, there was that old adage of weed smell didn't stick, but cigarette smoke did. So we would smoke weed in my car, but always pull over and smoke cigarettes outside my car with the windows down and you guys blaring, which leads me to one of my favorite misinterpreted lyrics by you in you only live once. Julian simply croons. I can't see the sunshine, but for whatever reason, there's a little bit of a lisp in the beginning. So to me, And Dylan, it always sounded like chai can't see the sunshine, which was fitting while we froze our balls off smoking squares outside my car in long Chicago winters. Dylan started to struggle around this time. His dad found his cigarettes and made him eat them. Super militant and tired of bad grades and misbehaving, his dad really started to stick it to him. I'll never forget him crying to me one morning before school during Ask Me Anything, which is a pretty sad song. He felt like his life was meaningless and that song didn't help. One bright spot was that the Strokes were coming to town and we ended up getting tickets. Sure enough, though, report cards or some bullshit came up right before the show and Dylan was grounded by his dad and couldn't go. I'm not shit-talking his father. Dylan did get in a lot of trouble. It just sucked so bad seeing them without him. I almost didn't go, and being there was a lot like one of Julian's deeper songs. Sounds fun and is, but if you really pay attention, there's melancholy and indecision overthinking going on. Oh, with the strangers to impress so near, old friends don't realize I'm here. I wish two drinks were always in me. I pretend I had the perfect ear. Electricity Scape. I mentioned mishearing lyrics. Another one that I heard how I wanted and just made it so is in Someday. Obviously, one of your biggest hits. The very first lyric reads, In many ways, they'll miss the good old days, which is pretty straightforward. But to me, it always sounded like, In many ways, they'll miss look at old days. As in, your memories will always add a bit of nostalgic fluff or better than the times in your head. For example, After high school and one year of going away to college, less than a mile from my parents, but living on campus, I was back at my parents. They had purchased a little lake house up in Wisconsin that they'd go up to for the weekends. Having a job slinging burgers and a bow tie at Steak and Shake, I would have free reign of the house here in Chicago. Party time. So I would throw these huge parties that somehow, some way didn't get busted up by the cops ever. Some friends and I still marvel at this fact. I had a tiny record player and had started a small record collection. The first record of my own that I ever had was Is This It, given to me for my buddy Mitch for my 18th birthday. Naturally, I would play it like three separate times a night between MGMT, Marshall Tucker Band, Inherited from Pops, and MF Doom. I was really trying to be cool. Huh? It got to the point that I remember my friend being on the phone inviting someone over and then being like, ah, that's the guy that plays the Strokes on repeat, right? I'm good. Anyway, one night, one of my best friends girlfriends I had known for almost my whole life she went to the same grade school as me and Dylan got really drunk and ended up hooking up in my sister's room is this it blaring downstairs as we hooked up it was great right I had always been attracted to her she was super hot but no it reminded me a lot of a contemplative Julian looking back Of course we hooked up, and all my friends were proud, and I had rug burns to prove the good time, but I lost a really great friend in the process, which I didn't realize till it was too late. Automatic stop comes to mind, the tale of friends wanting each other but not. I'm not your friend. I never was. When we was young, oh man, did we have fun. Someday. We did have fun, but with reckless fun came getting arrested, broken bones, car accidents, drug addiction, jealousy, etc. Angles was an odd release for me. It was a very shattered album. News was the band wasn't getting along, and they didn't even record the thing together. That was probably the only period in my life that I took a break from The Strokes, which coincided with not seeing Dylan as much as his addiction to heroin grew. I don't think we ever listened to that album together, come to think of it, which is crazy. I remember he came around when Come Down Machine came out, which to me is underrated. They expanded their sounds a bit. It was cohesive, and Julian finally did an old-school, almost swing-type song. I really wish he would just put Michael Buble in his place and release the best Swoony Croony album since the Sinatra Dean Martin days. We listened to that and he stayed at the apartment I was renting for a bit, but I had to kick him out and he stole a ton of weed and money from me that put me in a tough spot. He was back on dope. A few years later, I got that call that he had overdosed and passed my Strokes brother was gone. Between all that time, I was lucky enough to catch them in Chicago a bunch, New York, Atlanta, all over. What stunk was that they were so huge, it was nearly impossible to catch them not in a stadium. Don't get me wrong, they can fill a stadium with their sound. I would just have liked to catch them at a tiny club like when they first started out. Lo and behold, I got my chance. Last year, right before my birthday, they scheduled the show at the world famous Metro, Chicago's most iconic rock club. I didn't care what it cost, I was going. After missing out on the initial release of tickets and throwing an all-out tantrum in a Target parking lot, I found a Craigslist ticket for the low price of 450 bucks. It's my favorite band of all time in a 1000-person GA venue. Almost a steal, honestly. Boy, was it worth it. I met a kid whose name I don't remember, much younger And it was cooler getting his perspective about their career. In True Strokes fashion, you guys came out about an hour and a half later than scheduled. But God damn it, was it worth it? Julian was sober for years, but he had definitely had some drinks beforehand and torn shit up. Then, as if one of my best nights of my life couldn't get any better, I'm hanging at G-Man the bar, which is just as famous as Metro next door, when a friend of mine who wasn't even at the show calls me and goes, I'm outside the bar. Get out here. Julian Casablancas is here. I think I still have whiplash from turning my head so fast to see him waving me to come outside. So I run out there in my Strokes custom baseball jersey, because of course, and see one of my favorite humans ever standing there signing autographs. In a state of shock, my buddy tells me to give him my jersey. I rip it off and hand it to him. He being from New York, New York big balls his way through the crowd, pushes the jersey toward Julian, who signs it with someone else's Sharpie. I'm pretty sure I kissed my friend after that. So now I have a signed Strokes baseball jersey, which I think does put me in your top 10 fans on earth. Thank you for being my close companion through all the rooms I left on fire.